here, and I think this one uh, points us to an important truth about the church. Paul says, um, it's, it's, he was writing to the church in the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that, that description reminds us of what we just said. Salvation belongs to our God. The salvation of the church was in Jesus, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the growth of the church was in two. Um, and as a, as a result, of course, of in verse 2, we see Paul thanking God for the fruit. Um, it's God's doing it. He gets the thanks. In verse 4, um, the defining quality of this church is, is that they are loved by God and they have chosen by God. And in verse 5, of course, the Holy Spirit is the one that brought the fruit of the gospel. Fruitfulness is a gift that only God can give. And, and, and of course, that goes for all of life. It's only God that can control whether or not all we do in life is a waste of time. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So we can't achieve anything at all in life of any worth if God has decided otherwise. We can only do stuff in life if God allows it. But if that's true of all of life, then it's especially true when it comes to gospel ministry. We can only have a fruitful ministry if God allows it. Fruitfulness in ministry is a gift that only God can give. And now, I want to make it clear that's important for all Christians. I'm just going to take a moment um, to go off on a bit of a tangent here. Um, because if you call yourself a Christian, I want to be clear that all of your life should be gospel ministry. If you call yourself a Christian, all of your life should be gospel ministry. Which is to say, if you call yourself a Christian, in all of your life you should be serving God for the sake of the gospel. That's what ministry means. It's just service of God. Um, and the gospel ministry service of God for the gospel's sake. Now, the ministry is a big theme in the book of First Thessalonians. <coughs> um, it's going to come up a lot over the next few weeks. Um, so I want to make sure that when we talk about this, it's applicable for all Christians. So doing ministry all the time doesn't mean that we should all become pastors and missionaries. Um, they do do ministry, of course, but they're not the only ones. Um, ministry just means serving God. Um, and obviously, that's something everyone is called to do. Whether you're paid for it or not, you are a full-time servant of God. You can do your ministry as a farmer, as a teacher, as a social worker, as a trainee, as a health professional, as a retiree, as a stay-at-home mom, whatever it is you do, that is your ministry. Secondly, I want to be clear that doing ministry all the time doesn't mean you should be bad for not always sharing the gospel and not always speaking about Jesus in every conversation. Um, and obviously, preaching the gospel is important. 
surprisingly, doing ministry uh, all the time doesn't mean you should put all your effort into the church uh, or into church outreach programs. Uh, remember the Thessalonians, and we've all talked about this sort of stuff, they didn't have all these church programs that they thought of as ministry. You know, when someone comes, uh, comes up to you at church day, you might, and says, I want to do more ministry, you might say, oh, but we've got to heart, we've got present ministry, we've got all these things that we do on Sunday morning as well. But if you were in Thessalonica at that time, their church service was a lot more like we were called an underground church. The Sunday service might be more like our um, midweek Bible studies, really. Church outreach would be more about people taking the gospel back to their everyday lives, their homes, their workplaces. Now, that doesn't mean that church ministry is unimportant. I think it's, it's really important. I think it's good that we have a balance between those. Different people have different opinions on this. And that's, that's the value fair enough that that's the um, godly thing um, that we can disagree about. Uh, but I do think church ministry is good, um, even if it's not the main and certainly not the only ministry we do in life. Um, at its best, I think church ministry is, is the sweet icing which makes the dense, dry cake of day ministry much more palatable. day ministry is hard. Um, it's much easier, of course, when you have like-minded people around you. Um, I've got a pile of Bibles in the back corner. But I think it's also easy to overdo church ministry to the point where the schedules become painfully constricting. Um, and even there, I say, your fellow Christians uh, get more frustrated and broken. So to me, church ministry and day-to-day ministry, I think, should balance each other. All Christians should be doing ministry all through life, all of life, not just as an additional tact on thing, but through the way that you live life. It's all about serving God um, for the gospel's sake. But now I'm going to circle back to chapter 1. Whether or not you actually see any fruit in all of that, that's a gift of God. Now sometimes... God does choose to withhold that gift. Not because you're doing the wrong thing, just because of his sovereign choice. Sometimes we see no fruit in spite of years of faithful service to God for the sake of the gospel. And God does have various reasons for that. Often he wants to teach us to trust him more, to be patient and prayerful. But having said that, God does delight that gospel ministry should be but does delight that by the power of his Holy Spirit, for his glory, our ministry endeavors should be fruitful. And part of the reason for that, I think, is um, that faithfulness, that's right, fruitfulness through that faithful ministry, through that fruit of faithfulness, uh, is a great encouragement to us. And that brings us to our second point. Faithfulness is an encouragement. Fruitfulness in ministry is extremely encouraging for a Christian. And we see that just from the tone of this chapter. Um, we see it in, in verses 2 to 5. Um, we see how joyful and thankful Paul is for seeing the growth of these Christians. We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly. We know, brothers, love 
our gospel came to you with power and with the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. These missionaries are so grateful for the growth that they've seen. Uh, later on in chapter 2, it goes on to say, You are our glory and joy. In chapter 3, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted by God. That's very bad me through your faith. But now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? God grants faith fruitfulness in ministry because that brings joy to his children and the glory to him. And that joy and encouragement flows right back the other way as well. Uh, I said that, as I said, this joy book is just a wonderful, constant of encouragement all the way through. What great joy this one of us have brought with this moment. So here, Paul and Silas and Timothy say things like that would have been deeply encouraging. But what was it that showed Paul and Silas and Timothy that the gospel was born through? What did that fruit look like? And we be encouraged for the same reasons. Okay. Uh, well, that's what we're going to, I think, uh, explore for the rest of the time this morning. But the fruit among the Thessalonian church is listed there in verse 3. And it says, Your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take those one at a time. of faith means that they were acting in a way that showed they believed the gospel was true. Now we see a few ways that they did that. Um, they received the gospel joyfully. Um, they changed accordingly uh, and they shared it with everyone. Now, all of those things show that they believed the gospel was true. Now verses 5 and 6, that gospel came to you not in any but also in power and uh, in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You receive the word of God in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. When they heard the gospel, it sent crying. It quickly had a profound effect on them. They worked powerfully inwardly by the Holy Spirit. And as a result, they were changed from the inside out. That's what that's not since you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Thessalonica is a city that had a lot of idols around the place. Uh, it was uh, built on one of the most well-used roads, uh, one of the biggest ports in the world. And so they get people coming through from everywhere across the world. Uh, and the, the travelers would bring a bit of the local gods along with them. Uh, both there's another god that we can, that we can start worshipping. Well, there's another one. We've got someone else to worship. So there were idols everywhere, all sorts of idols. It was just part of life. But not anymore. Or it was not for these Christians. They believed the gospel was true, so what did they do? They threw away those idols. Uh, and then they told others, um, including those travelers, so their reputation spread far and wide. The gospel just went across the world from this place. Verse 8 says, Not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from the Macedonia and Achaia, 
falls off in the corner of what you preach. But when your faith in God has gone everywhere, they believe the gospel, they change to live in accordance with it, and then they share the gospel. That's what I think. They, they have an active faith. That's the first fruit of it, the gospel is to the second fruit is labor of love. Um, now, now, the Greek word behind the word labor there sort of carries the idea of almost blood, sweat, and tears going on here. These guys were so willing to put themselves out for the sake of others. Verse um, 5 tells us that that was just like Paul and Silas and Timothy and just like Jesus. This is 5 and 6 verses now you know what kind of men we proved to, to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And now, the second half of verse 5 there sounds a little bit cryptic to us because we, we don't know what they were like, uh, what they proved to be among you. Um, but chapter 2 um, does elaborate on that verse. And it, chapter 2 says, uh, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you would become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden on any of you. Those missionaries worked so hard, gave so intensely of themselves uh, for the sake of sharing the gospel with us. Jesus exceeded even though he said in, in John 15, 13, greater love has no name than this than what someone should lay down his life his friends. That's the greatest example of sacrificial love. And of this way he's uh, that was the second gospel fruit. The third fruit in verse 3 is a steadfastness of heart. This one we see in verses 6 and 7. You receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia. The Thessalonian Christians suffered intense persecution, social, emotional, political, physical persecution, all sorts of persecution that was coming right up them. They experienced it being joy with joy. Exemplary joy. The joy of the Holy Spirit because of their unshakable life. Um, this then uh, tells us, of course, what that word was centered on um, to wait for the sun to heaven and be raised from the dead. Jesus who delivers us from the lost come. So, those are the fruits or the evidences that the gospel was working in the Faith that God, faith in God that comes out of our actions, love for others at personal cost, and hope in Jesus returning that brings joy in all circumstances. Now, if you're not sure if you're a Christian, I think it would be good to ask yourself if you're demonstrating those three things. Do you act in a way that shows that you take the gospel of Christ by you? Do you seek the good of other people, even for what they deserve? Do you look forward to when Jesus comes back? Does it excite you to know that whatever bad happens in this life, there's that to look forward to? 
You're told to say something false, but God's word is what you say instead. That is active faith, that is gospel truth. Secondly, when we see people with the unwavering for love in this church, again, yes. So many people here who want to go out into this community to support the community. Many of you put time and effort into caring for them and be both inside the church and outside. Maybe through words of encouragement, uh, caring actions, supporting prayers, even just a listen here or a phone call. It's selfless, it's costly, it's difficult, it's impossible. We don't experience suffering and persecution in exactly the same ways the first language, but that doesn't matter. What matters is the response. I know so many of you are, are sick, chronically ill people. And by your love, I know that here your responses to these trials and how you look forward to Jesus returning is quite the encouragement. Your warm, friendly smiles display a deep. 